If you have a need, you don't have to wait until I'm done preaching tonight. You can come. You're not going to bother me, and I won't bother you. And we have, we have people in our church who are experienced enough. If they see you come, they'll be glad to meet you, and, and they'll be glad to deal with you tonight. And so you just mind the Lord and do what the Lord tells you to do tonight. But I do believe this with all of my heart. I believe that God has given the pastor of this church, I believe God has given me direction, definite direction tonight. I don't know if this is going to be the last night of the meeting. It could be. It may be the last night of the meeting. And uh, we're just trying our best to be sensitive to the Lord and follow the Lord tonight. <clears throat> but if it is the last night of the meeting, then I believe I know why God has given me this message that I'm going to preach tonight. And it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm having some really issues, some issues with my voice tonight or my throat tonight, and I apologize for that. And uh, this is not a rosy message. It's not a cheery message. Uh, it's a serious message. It's a sobering message. Um, but I'll be honest, it's a message <clears throat> that needs to be preached around America and around the world and one of the problems, one of the problems, I really believe church, this is the truth, one of the problems in our churches is we've got away from preaching like this. And we're preaching all kind of, you know, uh, we're preaching all kind of feel-good stuff, and I'm not against that, and we preach that at Calvary. If you come here and stay around for a little while, you'll know, you know that. I preach a lot of encouraging messages and just trying to, uh, I, I believe this, I believe the, that uh, scripture tells us that church ought to be a place where you're built up. The Bible uses the word edifying, edification, and it uses that word over and over again. And we try to do that a lot at Calvary. We try to really build folks up and try to give you some building blocks. We're going to do that Sunday, by the way. Uh, a lot of folk have gotten saved over the last few days. A lot of visitors have come in and, uh, and God's already been dealing with my heart about a message that we're going to be, Lord willing, that I'm going to be giving to you on Sunday morning that's just a building block message. It's a message that's going to help you with your newfound salvation. It's a message that's going to help you not to doubt. It's a message that's going to, uh, that's going to do what I believe is, uh, it's called establishing or establishing you in the faith. Uh, and so we're going to do that, Lord willing, this coming Sunday. But tonight... This is the direction I believe the Lord has led your pastor tonight. And so I want to talk to you on this subject, the final judgment. The final judgment. Take your Bibles and look at Revelation 20. And when you find your place, if you'll stand with us tonight, uh, if you're able, that is, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, <coughs> Revelation chapter 20, and <coughs> look, if you will, at verse number 11. The Bible says, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up to the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I'm, I'm 
really interested tonight in verse number 13. And I don't know that I've ever really camped out in that verse before. I've preached around this passage and preached some of these other verses. And sometimes I'll use some of these verses in my personal work and my soul winning, and, <clears throat> but not verse number 13. And I want to draw your attention back there, if you will. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 13 says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell uh, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. You may be seated tonight, and we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we're just going to try to give you what God's laid on my heart tonight, and I hope it'll be a blessing, and I hope it will uh, I hope it'll reveal some truth to you. <clears throat> I do believe this. We ought to be concerned about the end times because the end times are coming. They're coming. Uh, not one thing I can do to hold them back. Not one thing you can do, uh, do to hold them back. Uh, and uh, we can agree to disagree on a lot of different things. But truth of the matter is, Jesus is coming and no, nobody or nothing is going to change that. He's coming. Uh, the Bible's very clear about that. The Lord is coming. And you say, well, <clears throat> Pastor... You know, I'm not a Baptist. I don't believe that. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what a Baptist believes, and it doesn't matter what a Methodist believes, and it doesn't matter what a Catholic believes. I'm telling you, he's coming. It doesn't matter. Uh, regardless of your denomination, the Lord is coming tonight. And I want to talk to you about some of those things that are going to happen in the end of the age. And so would you bow your heads with me and let's pray and we'll get right into this Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for being so good to us and thank you for your love and kindness and mercy and grace and Lord, your long suffering. And Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, thank you that the word of God is very clear, Lord, concerning these things that we're going to try to, uh, Lord, give to the church tonight. <clears throat> and so, Lord, I pray that you will knit our hearts together. Lord, I, I, I'm not, <clears throat> Lord, I, it's not like I don't understand. These folks have worked hard today. They've worked a long, hard day. And then some of our folk have been going for 10 days now. And, Lord, they're weary. <clears throat> I get it. They're cumbered about many things. And, uh, Lord, some of these folks have been doing homework at 11 o'clock at night and fixing meals at, at 9.30. And uh, Lord, I understand all of that. I, I do. And I'm sympathetic. And, uh, and I'm mindful of that. And I don't think we're going to be lengthy tonight. But Lord, I, I do know that in relation to eternity, Lord, the fact that we're eating supper at 7 or the fact we're eating supper at 9 o'clock, in relation to eternity, it doesn't matter. And Lord, it doesn't matter that we're missing our favorite television program tonight. It doesn't matter, Lord, that we may be missing a little time in our easy chair tonight. Lord, in relation to eternity, none of those things really matter right now. They all pale in comparison to what we're going to talk about tonight. <clears throat> Lord, I pray supernaturally you'd clear my throat where I wouldn't have to keep doing that. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us, <clears throat> Lord, something tonight. And I pray that if there's one here tonight that does not know for sure that they're on their way to heaven, I pray tonight would be the night they'd come to know Christ as personal Savior. And then, Lord, for those who, tonight, or, or who are here tonight and are saved, God, may we walk out of this church tonight rejoicing that we know our name is written in heaven. And so this message can do several different things. 
And I pray that it'll make our salvation become that much nearer to us and dearer to us. Lord, we need you. Breathe on us, please. We love you and praise you now. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. At the end of the age, our Bible tells us that death and hell will deliver those in their care to stand before a great white throne. I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. I want to see if I can unpack that just a little bit for you tonight. Notice verse 13 again. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Death and hell delivered up those who were in their care to this great white throne. The word death there in Revelation chapter 20 is the word phanatos, and it means this. It means the death of the body or the loss of life. I believe it means this. It is those people that have just died. They've not been dead very long. It is those that have experienced the grave, but they have barely slipped into eternity. In other words, they're not like the rich man that we read about in Luke chapter 16 who's been there for all these eons of time. These are people that, that have just experienced the grave and are just experiencing sort of the tip of eternity. It could be referring to those who have just died prior to the judgment that I'm gonna to talk to you about tonight. But the Bible says that death, those that are in the care of death, have been delivered up to this great white throne. Not only death, but the Bible says hell. It's the Greek word Hades. And it means the place of departed souls. Isaiah 26, 19 says it like this. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. And the Bible says this. And the earth shall cast out the dead. And the earth shall cast out the dead. All of these will be delivered up at the end of the age. But here's my question. Why would the Bible say something like that? Why would the Bible say in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 13 that those that are in the care of death, the grave, and those that are in the care of hell or Hades, why would the Bible say that they're going to be delivered up to this great white throne? When I read that verse, and if you were to read that verse and maybe you were not uh, maybe not quite, you know, as knowledgeable about the Bible. I think some may say, well, preacher, does this give possible relevance to the idea of purgatory? There are some who say that when we die, that we won't go to heaven and we won't go to hell, that we will go to a holding place. And in that holding place, we will be purged for our sins. And when we have suffered enough for our sins, then the Lord will take us out of purgatory and he'll bring us into heaven. Now, there's only one major problem with that doctrine. And the major problem is it's not in your Bible. It's not, it's not in there. You can't find it. Uh, you, you not only can't find the word purgatory, you can't find the teaching of purgatory in there. Uh, it's, just, it's just not in there. And so no, that is not what the Bible is teaching. Purgatory, uh, a holding place, is never mentioned or taught in Scripture. Someone else may say, well, pastor, is this a possibility that, that those that have been to hell or those that have gone to hell are going to be prayed out of hell? Or maybe, maybe they're going to be paid out of hell. 
Now, there are some who believe that. You can pray a loved one out of hell. There are others who believe that you, you can give enough offerings that you can pay them out of hell. And then there are others who believe that you can be baptized for the dead and you can be baptized for your loved one's proxy, if you will, and, uh, and that will cause them to come out of hell. Uh, and I want to say very quickly, no, that is not what the Bible is saying there at all. Uh, in fact, the Bible only talks about, the, uh, mentions the baptism for the dead one time, and it talks about it in the book of Corinthians. And when Paul mentions the baptism for the dead, he is, if you will, rebuking the church of Corinth for their heresy when he mentions that, uh, when he mentions that uh, in Scripture. Now, stay with me very, very closely here tonight. The reason that death and hell deliver these people up to this great white throne Here's the reason. Because what these people have experienced thus far is not the final judgment. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Those that have just died, hardly slipped into eternity. Those that have been in Hades or hell for a long, long time, uh, the Bible says they will be delivered up. And the reason they're delivered up is because this is not the final judgment. Now I want to talk to you about that tonight. Let me say just a few things about this thing of the final judgment. How about this? Number one, the place referred to as the grave is not the final judgment. Hebrews 9, 27, the Bible says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. But the verse doesn't stop there. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, Finish it for me. But after this, the judgment. And so our Bible tells us this, that the grave is not the end. Somebody says, preacher, we're all just going to die like a bunch of animals. I mean, we're, you know what? We're just going to live the best we can. And man, I'm going to get the gusto out of life. I'm going to drink everything I can drink. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party all that I can party. And, and man, we're going to live it up. And one of these days, we're just all going to die. And we're going to the grave. And that's it. That's as far as we go. But I got news for you, my dear friend. The grave is not the end. It is not the end. The grave is not the final judgment. That is not very much so. It is not the final judgment. I remember many years ago, a man by the name of Dr. J. Harold Smith, and he preached a message called God's Three Deadlines. And in that message, he's talking about preaching in a church, and, and, and the Spirit of God came and met with that church, much like the Lord has met with us the last 10 days. And there was a spirit of conviction. The Holy Ghost was working. Folks were coming to the altars. They were getting saved. They were making decisions. It was a wonderful time. It was a high time. And Dr. Smith said that while he was up at the front in the pulpit, he noticed in the back of the church there was a mom and a dad and a daughter. And he could tell that the mom and dad were, were talking to their daughter. She was a teenage daughter, probably 16, 17 years of age. And they were dealing with this young lady. And it was evident that God was doing something in her life. The tears were just dripping uh, out of her eyes into the pew. And, uh, and you could tell, he could, he could sort of tell what was going on. There was a loving mom and dad that, that cared for her soul. And they were saying, honey, do you want to go? Do you want to go up? We'll go with you. Do you want to go up? And, and you could sort of tell, Dr. Smith said, I, 
I couldn't see what they were saying, but he said, I could, I could tell what was going on. She was holding onto the pew in front of her and she was shaking her head, tears dripping out of her eyes. And she said, no, not today, not today, not today. No, not today, not today. And that mom and dad pleaded with her and said, honey, we'll go, we'll go with you. And if God's dealing with your heart, you need to go. And, and Dr. Smith, I think Dr. Smith said, I, I hardly ever did anything like this. But he said that night, he said, I was so impressed with the Holy Spirit. And he said, I sensed the conviction of God so strong in that place. He said, I walked down off the platform and he said, I made, I made my way to the back there where that young lady was. And he said, I did my best to try to come along the side of that mom and dad. And I tried to convince her to come. He said, young lady, it's, it's, it's evident that God is doing something in your life, in your soul, your spirit. He said, won't you come and let us, let us try to give you some help. And she held onto that pew and she said, no, not tonight, not tonight. I'm, I'm not going tonight. That service ended and that family left and they got in the car and I don't know what that young lady thought. Maybe she thought she was coming back to the revival service tomorrow. Maybe she thought she'd make it back on Sunday. But literally did she know that night as that family got in that car and they were on their way home that there would be a truck full of drunk drivers that were coming the other direction. And the man, there was three men in the truck and one of the men behind the wheel was drunk as he could be, weaving all over the road. That little family didn't know what they were headed for. And as they come down the road, that truck hit them head on. When it hit that car, that car went down off the embankment and began to turn over. It began to flip over. The mom and dad were thrown out of the car, but they were alive. But when that car finally finished flipping, it, it landed on its top upside down. And, uh, and uh, the parents went down and they began to try to get the young lady out and they couldn't get her out. She was trapped in the back seat of the car. The young lady said, Daddy, get me out of here. And he said, Honey, I'm trying. And, and he was trying to pull the doors and the, the, the car was so bent up and, and messed up. He, he couldn't get her out. And, uh, and the roof had crashed down and she couldn't crawl out through the windows. And, and she said, Daddy, get me out of here. Daddy, get me out. And he said, Well, honey, I'm trying. He said, I, I'm trying. This was before the days of cell phones and before the days when EMS and fire trucks would get there in just a matter of moments. And uh, back in that day, it took a long, long time. And they did not know that when that accident occurred that the fuel tank on that car had been ruptured and fuel began to pour out of that car. Uh, boy, how many know that, that, that the drunk driver is the one who usually doesn't get hurt? And that was the case that night. Although he knew he created the accident. And so nervousness took over. He's standing on the side of the road waiting for the, the authorities to come and nervousness to, took, uh, took over and he pulled out a pack of cigarettes and put a cigarette in his mouth and took a match and struck the match and lit the cigarette and not even thinking, not in his right mind, took that match and threw it down on the ground. When he did that match, hit that fuel and that fuel made a beeline all the way to that overturned car and that car became, it became a raging inferno, a raging inferno. That car began to burn. That young lady began to scream. And she said, Daddy, get me out of here. Daddy, get me out of here. Daddy, get me out of here. And that dad tried. He tried his best to get that little girl out of that car and he couldn't do it. And, and he knew it was hopeless. And finally he called and he said, Honey, he said, call on Jesus, call on Jesus and ask Jesus to save you. He said, honey, do it now, do it now. 
ask Jesus to save you. Do it now. Do it now. And they said in that story that you could hear that young teenage girl in the back of that car. She burned to death. She said these words. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Now I want to tell you something, Calvary. When they finally got that charred body out of that car and took it down to the funeral service and put that body in a casket and put it down in the grave, I'm going to tell you something tonight. The grave is not the final judgment. That was not the end for that young lady. So the place referred to as the grave is not the final judgment. Tell you something else. The place referred to as hell is not the final judgment. Psalm 917 says it like this, the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. Isaiah said in Isaiah 5, verse number 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. I can't help but think about Luke chapter 16 where the Bible talks about a rich man and Lazarus, a beggar. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Listen to verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And all these years, all these years, somebody said, Pastor, I hate you didn't know this, but that's a parable. Well, I hate you didn't know this, but that's not a parable. And I want to tell you something else. God never, Jesus never used personal names in a parable. But that day he used a personal name. This was a certain rich man. This was a certain beggar. And uh, this was something that actually happened. And for all these many years, that rich man has been in hell. And he's been crying out for one more drop of water. One more drop of water. Living in torment for all these years. You say, Pastor, that's pretty scary stuff. It ought to be scary stuff tonight. But I got news for you, church. Hell is not the final judgment. And death and hell delivered up the dead, which are in them. You say, Pastor, if that's the case, what is the final judgment? The final judgment will be the great white throne. I hope you're still there in Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says in verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in them, which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The grave is not the final judgment. Hell, Hades is not the final judgment. But the great white throne is the final judgment. Now you say, preacher, I'm having a hard time tracking with you tonight. I I don't quite understand what what you're trying to teach tonight. So hang with me. Let's, Let's just say that a man here in North Carolina commits a heinous crime. He goes into a home one night. He breaks into a home one night. He's not welcome there. They don't even know who he is. 
But it's, it's, it's 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and he picks the lock, or somehow he climbs through a, an open window, and he goes into this house, and, and he viciously murders the family. He kills the mother. He kills the dad. He murders all the children. He doesn't just kill them, but he murders them in a very brutal, malicious way. Brutality, with, with sheer brutality, no mercy. That same man knows that he's in trouble now. And so he goes on the run. And just a little bit later, the authorities apprehend him. They know who he is. He still has the blood of the family on his hands. It's very evident that he's the, uh, he, he's the, the, the one, the, the assailant. And so that deputy sheriff or that police officer takes that man and he puts handcuffs on his hands. If it's bad enough, they may even put shackles on his ankles. They take him and they put him in the back of a, uh, of a cruiser, a police cruiser, and they arrest him. But I want to tell you something, Calvary. That is not his final judgment. He is processed. They take him down and he's processed. He's photographed. He's fingerprinted. And he is incarcerated in the local jail. Where, by the way, he may stay for weeks. He may stay there for, uh, who knows, he may stay there for six, seven, eight, nine, more than that, uh, weeks at a time. But I want us to understand, that is not his final judgment. He's found guilty by a jury of his peers and is sentenced to death. He is then placed in a maximum security state penitentiary for a number of years. But I want you to understand something. That is not his final judgment. Judgment. After all the appeals are exhausted, he's placed in an area, at least in North Carolina, he's placed in an area called the death watch, where somewhere between seven, three to seven days before his execution, he's put in a certain ward uh, called the death watch. But this is not his final judgment. You see, all these places are terrible, but it's not his final judgment. The final judgment comes when this inmate is taken to what's known as the execution chamber. And they wheel him in there and they give him that lethal injection. Now, again, please follow me tonight. Many have went to the grave. That's not the final judgment. Many are being reserved in hell. That is not their final judgment. The rich man is there tonight. That's not his final judgment. King Agrippa is there tonight. That is not his final judgment. Adolf Hitler is there tonight. That is not his final judgment. Voltaire, that, that avowed atheist is there, but that is not his final judgment. But one day they will be delivered up to the great white throne judgment. And my dear friend, please hear me out. That will be final. It'll be final as they are cast into the lake of fire. Now, we're almost done. I told you it wouldn't be long tonight. Let me give you a couple thoughts here. This final judgment is known as the second resurrection or the second death. The second resurrection, because the Bible says in verse number 13, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 13, and the sea gave up the dead, which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them. 
And they were judged every man according to their works. But it's also known as the second death. In Revelation 20, verse 14, the Bible says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so this second resurrection will be a resurrection of finality, a resurrection of judgment. You say, preacher, that's not good news. It's not good news if you're lost. You're right about that. It's not good news if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as Savior. It's not good news if you're here tonight and, and you're not a true believer. As Brother Brian preached last night, but you're a bank believer. It's not good news. But I want to say something very important. There is a way to miss the second resurrection. There is a way to miss the second death. And you say, Pastor, I'd like to know what it is. And this is the answer to that. By making sure you're in the first resurrection. Now you're in Revelation chapter 20. But I want to go back and read a verse we didn't read tonight. I want you to look back toward the first part of the chapter. <clears throat> Revelation 20 and verse number 6. The Bible says in verse number 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Hang on Calvary. Here's some good news. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. First resurrection. So our Bible's teaching this, that if you and I take part in the first resurrection, we don't have to worry about the second resurrection. Uh, listen, if we uh, die in Christ, thank God we don't have to worry about the second death. Now, somebody says, preacher, what is this, what is this first resurrection? First resurrection. Well, uh, this first resurrection comes in three phases. It speaks, first of all, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, the Bible says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He became the first fruits of them that slept. Uh, you know what that means? That word first fruits is the idea of the first installment, the first installment. In other words, the Bible's saying this, that when Jesus came out of the grave, he was the first of many resurrections that are gonna be taking place. My dear friend, he led the way. Thank God he's alive. He didn't stray and say in the grave. On that third day, he came out alive. And because of that, one of these days, if you trust in him, you can come out alive as well. He, he is that first installment. By the way, the only way that that you'll ever be saved is by believing that Christ died for you and he was buried for you, but hang on, but that he rose again for you. And so it speaks of the resurrection of Christ. Number two, it speaks of the resurrection of the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. Daniel chapter 12, verse number two, the Bible says, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. But hear me out and I'm done, I'm done. It also speaks of the resurrection of the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, our Bible, our Bible is very clear that one of these days, the church, when I say the church, I'm talking about the blood-washed church. I'm talking about the born again. The Bible says that there's coming a day when the church is going to be called out that Jesus is gonna come with the shout of the archangel and the trump of God 
And Jesus is going to come to receive his church to himself. And those of you who are born again, the Bible says that we're going to be caught away. That, that and by the way, we taught on that the other night here at Calvary, but it is a snatching away. It's almost the idea of a violent snatching away. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to come and he's going to snatch the church away. In fact, our Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the rapture of the church will happen in the twinkling of an eye. We talked about that airbag the other night. Saturday, after last week, Saturday, we were here around the church just cleaning up a little bit, and Terry Lothorpe came, came by, came by in his deputy's his sheriff car, had his uniform on, just came by to check on stuff. He got a call, and he tore out of here, and little did he know that just about 10 minutes down the road that a young lady was going to turn right in front of him, totally demolished his car. I talked to him on that Saturday, and he said, Preacher, you wasn't kidding about those airbags. That's what he told me. He said, they weren't there, and then they were there. Did you know the rapture of the church is going to be like that? That one of these days, the Lord is coming, and the rapture of the church is going to take place, and it's what we call the first resurrection. Now, we're done. To be a part of the first resurrection, several things must happen. You must repent. And place your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. Now, don't get scared of that word repentance. The Bible says in Luke 5, 32, Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said that. A lot of preachers have a problem with repentance. And Jesus said, I came to call sinners to repentance. Now, let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is saying, my way's not working. Repentance is saying, if I keep doing the way I'm, if I keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to hell. My way's not working. I can't save myself. I can't get myself there. And repentance is saying, you know what? I'm going to have to change, have a change of mind, and I've got to realize that I've got to come His way. Ephesians two verse eight says, "For by grace are you saved through faith." And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That word faith means reliance upon Christ for salvation. And I thought about that story over in Acts chapter 16 where the Bible says that Philippian jailer came in and he fell down before Paul and Silas and this is what he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now listen, I'm done, I'm done. But I'm telling you, if you're here tonight and, and, and maybe you've come a, a few times to the services and you saw others respond and others make decisions and yet you've held out and you haven't made a decision yet and you're here tonight and you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved. Oh, I want to tell you something. There is coming a time. There is coming a second resurrection. There is coming a final judgment. Listen, not just the grave, not just hell, but the great white throne judgment. And those who are lost and undone without Christ will stand before that final judgment. It's going to happen. There was a judge in a certain city and he had had an excessively busy day on the docket. Lunchtime finally came, and he just needed a breather. And so he took his robes off, and he said, I'll be back after a while. And there was a park right there close by the courtroom. And it was a beautiful park. It's a big park. A lot of trees, a lot of walking paths. There was a pretty, pretty big lake, ducks, and all that kind of thing there. 
And there was a bridge. There was a bridge that sort of compassed that lake. And that judge went down just to, just to clear his head and going to walk through that park. And, and he was walking over that bridge when he began to hear the sounds of struggling. That somebody was in the water. Somebody who couldn't swim. And the judge rushed over to the side of the bridge and looked down. And sure enough, there was a young man in the water who didn't mean to, but he had gotten out past uh, the, the deep over his head and he didn't know how to swim. And man, he was just struggling, he was about to drown. And that judge saw what was going on and, and he thought, you know, if somebody do, doesn't do something, that young man's gonna drown. And so sure enough, he just jumped in and he swam out to where the young man was and he grabbed a hold of him and, and he uh, swam him back to the shore and saved his life. I mean, he saved his life. Several years later, in fact, a number of years later, that judge was handling a case where that same young man was being tried. Same young man. Many years had passed. He had grown up now. He was handling that case. And the young man had done something terrible. And a jury of his peers had found him guilty. They had found him guilty. The judge came out that day and he took the verdict from the jury and he began to read the, the, the verdict to that young man and sentenced that young man to death. And they said that young man began to cry out in the courtroom and he said, Hank, wait, wait, wait. He said, I know you and you know me. He said, Judge, don't you remember many, many years ago you were the one that saved my life? Don't you remember? How can you, how can you sentence me to death today? And that judge looked back at that young man and he said, young man, on that day, I was your savior. On this day, I am your judge. Oh, I want to tell you something, church. We're living in an age of grace, a day of grace. And on this day, he is your Savior. But there's coming a day when he will be your judge. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, and if there's something holding you back, and you're, you're worried about what people are going to think, or you're worried about what somebody's going to say, or listen, I'm telling you, what you better do tonight is just get over all that. And just say, man, listen, preacher, I've never been saved, but tonight's the night. March the 23rd, 2022, tonight's my night. I mean, I'm not taking a chance. I'm not taking a chance of going to hell. I'm not taking a chance of going to the grave. And I'm dead sure not taking a chance of standing before the great white throne judgment. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for the word of God. Lord, it's very, it's very clear, and it's very precise. And Father, thank you for teaching us tonight that there is coming a great judgment day. And Lord, in that judgment day, Jesus will no longer be Savior. He will be judge. Father, you've done miraculous things for 10 days in a row. For that, we're thankful. Lord, if you're here tonight, or Lord, if, uh, and you are here tonight, you know who is here tonight, though. 
who, Lord, does not know for sure if they died, they'd go to heaven. Father, tonight I pray that you would work in their heart. God, help them to forget about what others may think, what others may say. And Lord, tonight, I pray that they would let go and let God have his way. Father, I pray that you'd bless us in the quietness of this moment. And Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question or two. How many are here on this Wednesday night? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved without anybody looking, nobody looking. You just slip your hand up as a testimony of that. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Still no one is looking, if you don't mind. I wonder how many are here right now, though, and you would at least let me pray for you. I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to try to drag you down an aisle. I am not. I promise I'm not going to do that tonight. But I wonder if there might be one here tonight would say, Brother Pope, I'm going to be honest. If I died tonight, if I were to get in a car accident like you talked about it a moment ago, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I want you to pray for me. With the heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking, nobody's looking. Would you slip your hand up right now let me pray for you? Is there one like that here tonight? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Thank you. Is there another? Is there another? Just raise it up high for me so I don't miss you. I don't want to miss you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Is there another? Raise it up sort of high. So easy to miss in this crowd. You just raise it up high for me. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Preacher, I want to go. I'm just not sure I am. Preacher, would you pray for me? Is there one more? Is there one more tonight? Just slip it up. Slip it up right now. Let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you tonight? I'm going to pray for these. I wonder how many are here this evening. You say, Pastor, I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that. But I'm really not where I need to be with the Lord. Preacher, I am born again, but you know what? Something happened in my life, and I didn't even mean to let it happen, but I just sort of got away from the things of the Lord. Not reading my Bible like I used to. I'm not spending time in prayer. I'm not going to church like I need to. Sort of lost my joy, lost my zeal, lost my, my, my compassion. And preacher, the Lord knows I really need to rededicate my life to Christ. And if that's you without anybody looking, nobody's looking, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, pray for me tonight. Pray for me. You'd slip your hand up. A lot of hands, yeah. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll work tonight. God, I pray that you would work in the hearts of these that have raised their hands this evening. And Lord, especially those that that said that they're not sure about heaven. Father, would you do this, please? Would you give them faith right now? And Lord, would you remind them of how much you love them? And God, I pray that you'd give them courage to come tonight. And then, Lord, those that have raised their hands and said they need to rededicate their lives to Jesus, 
Tonight, Heavenly Father, I pray that they would come and, and come to this altar tonight, do business with the Lord. Father, have your way in this invitation tonight. I pray that you would. And we thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our personal workers are coming right now. They're in the altar. If you're here tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, just for a moment, if you're here tonight and you raised your hand and said, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure about heaven. I want you to step out right now. I want you to step out. Come on. Come on. Just step out right now. God's not going to force you to take the first step, but I'll promise you he'll help you with the second one. Would you come tonight? Would you come? Would you come? Preacher, I, I don't want to stand before that great white throne. Would you come tonight? Come on. Preacher, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Would you come? That's right. Are there others tonight? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you come tonight? Come on. Come on. Now's a great time. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you give a speech. Nothing like that. No, no. We just like to take the Bible and just show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come right now? Hey, child of God, you're here this evening. Preacher, I so need to rededicate my life to Christ. Would you come right now? Would you come? Would you come? That's right. That's right. Folks are coming. Folks are coming. Would you come? Come on. Oh, listen, don't, don't you dare walk out of a service like this and not do what God tells you to do. Good night. Man, don't you dare. Please come tonight. Let us help you. Would you come? Folks are coming. Would you come? Would you come? Could we help you tonight? Could we help you? Pastor, I am saved. I am saved. But I've got a mama. And if something don't happen, I'm afraid she might be at that final judgment. Preacher, I am saved. But I've got some children. And if something doesn't happen, I'm afraid they might be at that final judgment. Hey, do you care enough maybe just to slip out? Come to this old-fashioned altar and just mention their name to the Lord? Maybe 2022 will be their year to get saved. Would you come? Parents, you got wayward children tonight. Kids that aren't where they need to be with the Lord. You're so burdened for them. You're so concerned about them. Maybe tonight you'd come and just mention their name to the Lord. Would you come? If you're here tonight, Pastor, not sure about my salvation. Oh, listen. Don't miss tonight. Would you come? Folks are getting help. Father, thank you for what you're doing. God, you're continuing to work. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Father, thank you for the decisions that are being made right now. Lord, thank you for those family members that are being prayed for right now. Oh, Father, hear their prayer tonight. God, please, save that child. Save that parent. Save that family member. God, burden our hearts at Calvary for the lost like never before. Lord, give folks understanding right now. 
Lord, if there's just one more that needs to take a step of faith, help them to come right now. Father, help them to come, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you come?